0: This is my statement to the to the universe. My legacy will be the fundamentals of a user's manual and that's what I've spent the last 26 years developing is an understanding between consciousness, psychology, emotions, stress, physics from the perspective of Newtonian physics, particle physics, quantum mechanics, okay, but then exploring the connection between us, okay, as a physiology, a neurology, a neurochemistry and a biology and how is all of that fucking work together
1: welcome to the dreaming out loud family where young entrepreneurs come to get inspired learn the tips tricks and attitude of what it takes to live their dream life i'm your host morgan nelson and each week i'm going to bring you the most epic guests to share their stories and wisdom to help you expand your mind of what's truly possible in your world hello and welcome to another episode of dreaming out loud with your host me morgan t nelson Look, guys, before we get started in today's interview, I'm obligated to share something with you. That's been a complete freaking game changer to my life. If you want to grow any kind of business or grow yourself, grow your income or pursue your dreams, do you know where it all actually starts? It starts with your health. So your outer world is a direct reflection of your inside world. So when you're thinking clearer and sharper, you're feeling healthier, happier, and you've got more energy and vitality, everything around you starts to amplify. So that's why... I have one of these bad boys every single day. It's called BEA or a beer is what I call it. It stands for botanical energy and adaptogens. So guys, this is straight up the world's healthiest energy drink. It's been a complete game changer in my life and my business. It's jam-packed full of all the good stuff that our bodies actually need every single day and it has a full serving of vegetables but tastes nothing like it, thank God, right? That's pretty good. Uh, it's so freaking easy. I love it's so easy to to swap this out for a coffee. Like I used to be a coffee fanatic energy drink fanatic. And this is just way, way, way better swap it out for these things. You know, when I used to be a carpenter, I lived off energy drinks because I knew that I needed it to get through the big days of work. Otherwise I'd just crash out. But I also knew the damage it was doing to my body every single day. And if I continue doing it, I knew that ultimately my life would just start to get even worse than what it was. So I'm so freaking stoked that now I've got my hands on this drink, that it's got a nourishing blend of raw nutrients sourced from whole fruit, fruits, and vegetable ingredients, guys. And it's got none of the bad stuff that ruins the insides of your bodies. So if you guys want to grab your case of BEA, then jump in the link of this episode right now and you're going to get 25% off as one of my listeners, all right? Jump in right now, grab yours, and come and share a can with me, all right? Now, let's get into this interview. Okay, today's guest is a business strategist and high-performance specialist who has helped over 100,000 businesses in 154 different industries throughout 11 countries across the globe with his no-bullshit approach to business growth and personal transformation. But it hasn't always been like that. Having failed nearly every subject at school, being bullied, and growing up with ADHD and dyslexia, his early life sure was challenging. Finding himself having six near-death experiences and struggling with an addiction – Eventually, he knew that in order for his life to turn around, he had to find a mentor, which came at the cost of $80,000 that he just could not afford. It was then when he was told, you'll either find a way or you'll find an excuse. Through his relentlessness and creative ideas, he got the money together where everything started to change. Since then, he's gone on to build multiple businesses and spoken across the world, impacting millions alongside people like Tony Robbins and Sir Richard Branson, to name a few. So please help me welcome the guy who went from being a bouncer in some of the roughest nightclubs in Brisbane City to now Australia's leading business strategist and high-performance specialist, my friend, Mr. Cohen Ray. But you've done your research, haven't you? Right. <laughs> 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 don't, wow. don't muck around. That's
0: not bad, mate. That's not bad.
1: Uh, you know, I was... I was um, I was, I was super excited i remember like sort of gene this up. we've been we've been trying to juice up for a little while and yes i had a pretty late night and my assistant just messaged me and she's like okay so tomorrow you're talking with kerman ray and i said wait what fuck i need to i need to go and check we're to do a bit of research and put this thing together so um man I, i'm super fired up to be able to sit here and have a chat with you so i appreciate you jumping on man pleasure mate so when i was doing my research I was really fascinated and I, I stopped and I kind of just got carried away just listening. And I was like, this is really funny. A lot of the stories and everything, but I'd love to hear a little bit about, cause you know, people that do follow you now, they see you now, maybe they find you on Instagram. Now they'll see like, yeah. you're killing it. You're a beast. You're on these huge events and you know, but no one ever sees the whole backstory. Right. So I'd love to hear to take us back a little bit. How did you kind of go from being a bouncer and putting yourself in all these crazy ass positions to now doing everything that you're doing now? Yeah, look, I um, I've
0: said this. I say this all the time. My life is like a movie. Um, and right now I think we're on episode, you know, forty six. Um, the reason I, I well, I guess you could say the reason I, I moved into security as more well, private security when I first left school is I was quite large. I was a bodybuilder. I was very big, uh, and I had a um, a pedigree. I guess you could say in 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 Muay Thai. I'd been fighting for a very long time. Um, and so, interestingly enough, my first gig in private security was actually personal protection as a CPO, but there wasn't a lot of business to keep me going. But the very first job that I had was looking after uh, Bon Jovi, um, and followed by U2, Madonna, uh, Boom Crash Opera, NXS, E17, uh, Johnny Diesel, or is it Johnny Diesel? Whatever his name is, um, and a whole bunch of different international artists. But there wasn't enough of that type of work to keep me going. And so I ended up just working, you know, indoors and in pubs and clubs. And, you know, I don't know if it was Fortunate or not, the, the company that I worked for I had a very strong relationship with the owners, and they knew I was someone that could handle myself. And so I ended up getting deployed in, you know, probably some of the most violent clubs in Brisbane uh, at different stages to, to, to help clean them up. And so, look, I could guess you could say that was an incredibly important part of my life because it really helped me. I guess in many ways, develop a level of resilience that's required that I really kind of in many ways have learned to build upon more consciously and rely upon now, you know, because as you know, mate, you know, business can be quite stressful and it's not as stressful as having, you know, a football team at the door, you know, wanting to take you apart and, and you're all by yourself, but it still can be quite stressful. But in comparison, it's easy to, business is easy when you compare yourself to being put in situations like that. You know, business is easy when you compare yourself to situations, you know, I've been shot at, I've had a gun put in my mouth, I've been stabbed, you know, I've had uh, like the scars that you can see on my face here, and he, and I've got one here. And this
1: and, and, happened and while here. you're at work, like yeah, being I a bouncer to... or just pissed no, off no, at the wrong I... person
0: with that? <laughs> No, dude. I never. I like the only time you ever found me in a nightclub was at work. I never. Yeah. I never went to nightclubs, um, unless I was working. And I had a. You know, I had a bottle. I've had. A, as you can see, I. I had um, almost lost my eye, and I lost a nerve to the top of my head here with a bottle being smashed across my head. And so, in comparison, you know, business is actually relatively easy, <laughs> from a stressful perspective. And so, from there, you know, I. Uh, I, I had a change of life. Uh, you're probably a little bit too young to remember this, but there was a gentleman uh, at a nightclub called Grand Orbit. His name was Louis Hopawai may he rest in peace uh, he was shot dead on the door of the club and it was two weeks after that that I handed in my resignation I was working at Her Majesty's which is downstairs at the Hilton at the time which was a live live venue and it was just a CD, CD venue and um I basically, and this is probably the story that I get to, don't get to tell as much, but it's one that's really gonna probably appeal to your audience, especially maybe the, the younger demographic. Um, I was walking across the story bridge one night after resigning and I was getting text messages from my mates telling me you know, to come over and let's get high and, and you know, all that kind of thing. And I remember just looking at my phone and thinking, this is not how I wanna live my life anymore. And I don't know what came over me because I didn't have the money to really you know, account for this. I, I took my phone and I threw it off the story bridge. Um, and anyway, a couple of days later, I'm, I'm like, well, what am I gonna do? I've got, I don't know what I'm gonna do. And you know, my first actual proper paid job where I was actually on, um, you know, on a, had a pay slip outside of just doing cash jobs, which I did a lot of as a kid, was selling menswear. And I worked out, you know, you know the first, when I first got a job in menswear, I couldn't get a job. So I volunteered to, uh, in a store in Townsville called Stag Menswear, no pun intended. And um, in the first week, and it was on school holidays, I, set, I outsold everyone in, the, um, in North Queensland, including all the managers of all the stores. And so I, after a few months, I realized and became apparent that I had quite a good gift when it came to communication. So anyway, fast forward to this scenario. Um, I uh, I throw my phone off the bridge. I then put this CV together, which was. Just horrible. I really wish I could find out, because it was a horrible CV. Um, And I went around Queen Street Mall, handing out my resume. And one of the places that I handed a resume to was Rebel Sport. And um, they they interviewed me on the spot, and I was interviewed by a kid who was easily four or five years my junior, who was the manager of the store. Um, And he gave me a position on the spot to pack shelves in the fitness department and other departments as well. But primarily I was responsible for keeping all the shelves in the fitness department full. And long story short, I was there for maybe eight weeks before um, the biggest fitness equipment supplier in the country at that time, one of the owners walked in to do a price check on all of the treadmills and the gyms and all the weights. And while he was there, you know, he saw me and um, he asked me about a treadmill. And anyway, I started pitching him this treadmill. And sure enough, you know, I did a pretty reasonable job. And at the end of the conversation, he goes, well, actually I'm not interested in buying a treadmill. My name is, you know, Steve Goldman. I run elite fitness and, um, you know, I'd really like you to perhaps, you know, consider it coming and working for me. And long story short, I took an interview with Stephen. Um, and then I end up working for uh, for Elite Fitness, and I you know I sold uh, fitness equipment for about oh gosh it was a few quite a few years, about maybe two or three years before they sacked me. Uh, and the reason that they sacked me is because I um, they discovered because I was managing a store at Carondale at the time. And I just I discovered that I was turning up late every single day because I just did not give a fuck. I was so over the job, uh, and as a result, that they sacked me. And from there, you know, that's when I got into my um, uh, my first entrepreneurial endeavor, or my second entrepreneurial endeavor, I should say, where I became, you know, I was working for myself, um, but I was subcontracting to a security company, and I was going and I was selling their alarm systems door to door. And I worked out pretty quickly that I was relatively good at it. And it was probably about nine months into that that I got approached by ADT. Uh, and at this point, ADT hadn't penetrated Australia Uh, and ADT at the time were a monitored alarm service and the system that I was selling door to door wasn't a monitored service, it was a static system, didn't connect to anything, it just, you know, it had an uh, IRD that when you walked in, if you walked past it, it would make a big noise and that was basically it. Whereas ADT came out, they connected us with a supplier over here, they had an incredibly sophisticated alarm system, but they were paying an exorbitant amount for every line that was connected. It was like mobile phone contracts, so for every, every, Every alarm that system we connected, it was like a fifteen hundred dollar commission just for connecting, just for signing a client. You know, and this is back in the days of the glory days of alarm system, and we built that business myself and my business partner at the time quite rapidly. Um, but then, you know, based on a few really bad decisions on my business partner, um, that business got completely ripped away from me, and I ended up, uh, you know, uh, I guess you could say, holding an enormous amount of debt for someone of my age, and I had to go back and get a job. And it was at that point, um, I went back and funnily enough, I won't tell you the story because it will consume too much time, but I ended up getting a job for Franklin Covey. But the short version is, I thought, what are my weaknesses? And this is a really good question to ask when you're in failure. You know, you know, what did I learn from this? What are the benefits of this? What skills, knowledge and experience did I gain? But at the time, I didn't ask those questions. I wasn't as well, I have the wisdom and the experience that I have now. I just asked, okay, what, what was my weakness? Why did, I, why did I get screwed over? And you know, the, the answer was, well, I wasn't very good with administration and I was shit when I came to finance because I just didn't want to know. And I was like, as long as you take care of the books, it's all good. But um, sure enough, you know, that wasn't good enough. And so I thought, well, how can I get paid to learn? You know, because that was the entrepreneurial way, you know, even before Gary Vaynerchuk said it. And um, I was like, I'll go and get a job at a bank. Went to interview for a bank, failed every single fucking assessment for the bank job. But the last assessment, this is gold, was a role play where you had to sell an insurance product. Now put it into context. I just spent the last, you know, at this point, 18 months role-playing six days a week. The last nine months, I had a team of 45 guys, 45 field agents, and every single day I was taking them through sales role-play. And so I was a role-play, and I still am. I'm a role-play fucking king when it comes to role-play role-playing sales. And so I sit down, I do this role-play, and all of a sudden I do this role-play, and this chick's draw fucking drops, and she's like. Like, cause she had seen all the scores. And at this point I was like, you know, we'll let him do the role play. Cause it was like a group interview. And um, she's like, where did that come from? And I was like, well, I, I just like sales. And she goes, don't go anywhere. And she runs and grabs the CEO of the, the recruitment firm, brings the CEO in and the CEO is like, oh, what's this all about? Who's this guy? Like she was really like, what? And she's like, you gotta see this. You gotta see this. You gotta see this. And so she sat down and said, did the role play. And I did the role play and the CEO just went, do that again. And I did it again. <laughs> and she like, do it again. And I did it again. She's like why are you applying for a job like it was a like a $35,000 job with a bank like why and I said well you know I had the security company went bad I'm over 100 grand in debt I need to pay the debt down I identified my weaknesses and this. she goes man I could get you a $100,000 plus job easily and so four days later they offered me a job it was 120 base with commissions it's going to be 180,000 and I turned it down and the reason I turned it down is because it was going to be selling stationary and I just couldn't get, and it was probably the best decision I made, and I don't know how I made it, because I didn't make it consciously, because I remember being pitched this job, getting very excited and just going, oh my God, $120,000 base! I've never earned this kind of money in my life. Fantastic, get me the you. Oh, by the way, what am I selling? Stationally, and I literally said, I'm sorry, I just can't get excited to do that. Mm. And she's like, what? And salesperson, you know some salespeople. She she became aggressive, and you started using high pressure tactics. And in the end, she thought she would do a, a takeaway. And she goes, "Well, I've got this other job. It's twenty one thousand dollars base, and you know, with commission, you maybe earn thirty thousand dollars, you know, for Franklin Covey." And I was like. Franklin Covey's I said that's not Stephen Covey's organisation is it she goes well, I don't know she goes well, well hang on yeah hang on the, the CEO wrote or the chairman wrote some Seven Habits book I'm like get me the interview and she's like what some, <laughs> some Seven
1: Habits book I don't know yeah, what
0: some, it is I don't know oh, it's only a fucking classic it's probably one of the best personal development books that was ever written long story short I got a job with them worked for them for two years traded IPOs on the side built myself a big bank enough to pay off my debts made a really bad placement on an IPO where I lost a massive massive amount of money but I also um you know gave the 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 uh, the a very senior member of the staff the tip he lost his wife 's life savings I lost a big bundle, long story short you know i I left Franklin Coving not that long after and that 's when i decided to own business myself and the first business that I had, or the, and I call this the first proper business that I had, because everything I'd started before that I failed and lost money. And this was the first where I actually didn't lose money and so it was the first proper go as far as I'm concerned. And then also the reason I say it's a proper go is because by buying this business, I actually got a mentor, because I bought a license to some information. And you know it was an $80,000 business purchase. Uh, they basically got me a box of stuff that I could sell. And but it also gave me the mentor of the guy who you know had created this system, and yeah, I remember him saying, "Well, it's going to be eighty thousand bucks," and I was like, "Well, I don't have eighty thousand bucks." And he said, "Well, you know, there's you're either going to find a way or an excuse. It's never a question of resources; it's always a question of resourcefulness." And I was like, "Fuck!" And long story short, went out and got a number of credit cards, paid the bill, got the 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 training, and um, yeah four months, five months, six months later, I ended up being pulled into his business as a, as a joint venture partner because I was actually doing so well. He brought me in to grow his business and we ended up growing a, a massive licensing network globally and then I went on to grow a massive franchise network and then I was consulting a range of, across a range of different industries and it was probably about seven or eight years later. And during this time, I was doing a lot of events and seminars and public speaking, but not as a business. It was just as a consequence of how I did my work and yeah, I, uh, it was about probably 2000 and seven when I actually dove into I guess what you call the more organized seminar world or the disorganized <laughs> seminar world as I saw it at the time because I did not like the industry at all. I fucking hated the industry because with what I'd done I got a sneak peek behind the veil and I saw how many crooks and sharks there were in this industry and how many
1: like people would Business just... development, self-development is that what you mean?
0: Oh just seminar industry in general. Yeah. You know, property, shares, personal development. I got to see behind the veil because I was you know I was I was working with a lot of different people And I just saw how many people just got up on stage and were just completely full of shit. And I just remember, you know, I sat on the beach. And I know this is a long question, a long answer, but uh, I'll wrap it so you can ask me something else. But I got, I, 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 I got to the point after I got exited from one of the businesses that I was in as a joint venture partner. I walked away with a pocket full of cash uh, and a whole bunch of assets. And I went, you know what? I'm going to retire. And this was age, I don't know, it was late twenties. And I lasted two years before I spent pretty much all of my liquid capital. And once I spent all my liquid capital, um, I got to the point where I was like, okay, what do I want to do? Actually, no, this is early 30s. Um, And I was like, what do I want to do? And I was like, well, I really love to teach and I really love to speak. And I was like, nah, I'm not going to go there. And so I had this real dilemma. Like I really wanted to speak and I really wanted to share and I really wanted to teach what I knew about life and business, but I really did not like the industry at all. And so I made a deal with myself that if I was going to go and I was going to do any form of education, that I'd give myself a 95-5 principle. 95% of what I had to say, I could only talk about the things that I was done, the things that I'd done and the things that I was doing. There was no room for any bullshit. And the other 5%, I could talk about things that I was going to do, but I had to always be honest and say, I haven't done this yet, but this is something I'm looking to do and what I'm doing or looking to do shortly. And so I made a very strong agreement with myself um, you know, to, to maintain a very high standard of representation. And yeah, I guess you could say by uh, 12 years or seven, thirteen 13 years later, here I am. So
1: yeah. I am. And that is a, that, that's a, that's a freaking life. Um, I've got, I've got an interesting question. So when you sat down, when he sat down, he uh, said his name was Peter, right? And he says to you, yeah. you live find the way you find an excuse. Yes. Did you learn more from that or from yes. what he taught you? Both. I learned Equal
0: amounts of resourcefulness, but equal amount. He taught me so many important lessons. He introduced me to fasting. He introduced me to meditation. You know, he introduced me to... a very sophisticated form of selling, you know, which was linguistics. He introduced me to linguistics and understanding language patterns and understanding presuppositions and understanding suggestion and understanding the power of elicitation and values. And, you know, I'd studied a lot at this point, but he introduced me to a lot. And one concept he introduced me to was my relationship with pain. And up until that point, my relationship with pain was whenever I saw or perceived the prospect of pain, I would retreat. And he goes, he goes K-Man, you're right or wrong? He goes, whenever you feel pain, you need to train yourself to advance. And so I literally, from the moment he said that, and it was again in the same restaurant where he, he closed me, Mermaids on the Gold Coast. I don't think it's there anymore. I think it's called Rickshaws now. Um, he he said you've got to you've got, you've just got to change your representation, and I did. And as a result, everything because it's exactly what I used to do when I was in security you know and when I was in security I was like don't get me wrong I when I was in school I used to be a very rough and tumble kind of guy but when you get into security and you're faced with situations where you know you're a lone guy on a door and you've got four or five guys that come up and they go alright let's have a go you know that can be a really confronting situation and it can you know it did result in you know because I was exposed to an enormous amount a disproportionate amount of very obscene violence you know PTS grade you know and not only one but I would say dozens and dozens and dozens of episodes that you know left significant mark but by virtue of being put in these situations I was very conscious of the fact that I was terrified in some cases for my life but I also was aware of the fact that my fear was was potentially um, immobilising my ability to not only defend but also to protect people that I was had a duty of care for, and in some cases apprehend people that needed to be in some, in some cases stopped or you know restrained, and so I had to train myself in the security industry that when I got scared that I had to I had to go in you know rather than retreat it was like that was the time to not attack but that was the time to advance, uh, and so I'd already had the concept in my head but it was related to you know physical combat, uh, and then when I once he put it into the business context it was really easy and another thing he put in the business context i'd always seen myself as a little bit lazy and he's like i was like ah oh, i should have done that i'm just a little lazy and he's like lazy you're the most unfucking lazy person i know and i was like well, what do you mean he goes you kidding me you've trained pretty much six days a week since the age of 13 you know you train on new year's day you train on christmas day if if you're training day for you train all the time and you're an absolute animal when you train he goes i've never met anyone with a, a, a training ethic like you he goes all you've got to do is take that work ethic from the gym and in your nutrition and you've got to bring it into business and i was like oh Oh my god! And then I became a fucking monster. And like, and by monster, I mean like the saying that I used to have in my head, and I've got a new one now. Whenever I used to train, was just one more. You know, just one more rep. And I was a competitive bodybuilder. I won state and national titles. And, you know, I used to be, and this is the th- an important thing to understand in, in, in training and especially in conditioning, you know, the, the reps don't start until the pain does. You don't actually start getting benefit when you're training until you're in pain. You know, that's where you get the psychological benefit. You know, most people are looking for the extra mile, but most people don't understand. The extra mile is the six inches between your head. And so for me, I was just one more, just one more, just one more. And that's how I used to fucking, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd be at the that fucking precipice. I can't do anymore. I'd Say so just one more, and they're like, Okay, one more, and I'll, be, uh, and then I'll do one more. I say, Okay, now one more. And, and like, my just one more is when I end up in six, seven, eight more reps, right? And so then I transferred that work ethic and that psychology and that story into the game of business. Just one more phone call, just one more phone call, just one more email, just one more contact, okay? Just one more, just one more, just one more. And by virtue, you know, it birthed um, some incredible results. And now, my I've got a new, new code for that it's just do it anyway okay the, to- the clock's going to tick for the next 30 seconds you may just do it anyway okay because in th- either 30 seconds you've got to start or in 30 seconds you're finished so just do it anyway
1: yeah how do you find the competitiveness because during that when you're like just one more just one more there's also that voice that's sitting there justifying going oh but come on look how far you've gone you've done well take a break how do you how do you balance between those and like how do you yeah. determine which one to listen to
0: That's a really good question. And back in the early days, I had no conscious awareness around this whatsoever. Um, And to me, I had an incredibly powerful self critic. And, you know, because I was someone that had experienced such a high degree of failure, I failed every single subject Morgan from year 1 to year 12 I so you can imagine the social the social pain you know of all of your peers of being the dumbest in your labelled the dumbest in your class you know every quarter going home and I had parents that were separated so I'd have to get the fucking oh oh from my mom, and then I'd get the oh oh from my dad you know and I was just like I was reinforced at every fucking avenue that I was stupid okay and so I was and I was also not only was I considered to be you know the the dumbest kid in school I was the socially fucking awkward kid at school, you know, because ADHD, dyslexic, but also later identified on the spectrum. And so I had really shitty social fucking aptitude at school. And so not only was I dumb and considered stupid, but I was also the weird kid, you know? And so as a result, I, I, I didn't socially integrate very well at school. I had very few friends and a lot of the social interactions that I had were very much based around being rejected for how I showed up in those situations. And so for me, I had experienced so much, I guess you could say failure, and disproportionate amount of rejection, that the only thing I knew I was good at was athletic performance. At school, I was a fucking absolute killer sprinter. The moment I started martial arts, I watched The Karate Kid like 20 times, and the moment I started martial arts, I fucking thrived anything of a sporting nature, I absolutely thrived. And so for me, you know, I had an accident at the age of 15. I've got some pretty gnarly scars that you can probably see there. Um, Holy I fell on a, shit. Yeah, it's mad, man. I, you do that. Oh, what's the other <laughs> side? You can do it all the way around. Like it's, it's nuts. I almost died. I almost bled to death on the side of the road in Townsville. I was running down the hill chasing a mob of roos after two stubbies of West Coast Cooler, A very, very masculine beverage, I'll point out. At the age of 15, trip, fall, land on the ground with a bottle in my hand. Spray myself wide open, you know. I'm pumping out a, you know, a, a, a not not a spray, like a fucking like a, a hose of blood, you know, two and a half feet long, and I can see all my tendons like the Terminator can. Um, and long story short, after that, I was like, well, I clearly have no prospect now as a professional athlete because I was told I was going to have, you know, I was going to be severely disabled, you know, and I'd be. But don't worry, they said you'll be eligible for the disability pension. Um, and so then I was like, well, okay. The, my goals of ambitions of being an athlete are completely out the window. I also had ambitions of being a fighter pilot, but that was never going to fucking happen with the grades that I had. And so I got back into the gym, and because I've been training at the gym since I was thirteen, I always had a passion for lifting weights, but it was the only thing that I could do that I was actually good at. You know, I, I did consider myself, you know, not very social, not very intellectual, not very academic. I wasn't very social. I didn't have a lot of friends and, but I could go to the gym and I could push through reps. I could go to the gym and I wasn't the strongest in the gym, but I could, in most cases, I could fucking almost out train anyone in the gym because I just, I don't know, I was used to pain on some level. And as a result that, you know, that served me incredibly well.
1: So, how did you break away from these labels? This is what I'm really interested in because you you grew up with yeah being told time and time and again, and then reinforced over and over that over and over. You're dumb. Or you're not smart, and things like that. So, because I can tell totally you relate, because I was the exact same through school. I started boxing. I did Muay Thai as well. Actually, I started boxing. I saw my grades go down after I started boxing. <laughs> <laughs> they just started going out the window. And but so my last few years in school, I really left thinking far out I need to go and do something with my hands so I wouldn't become a carpenter because I was like I can't do anything else so it took years of me kind of really work on this but I'd love to hear how you kind of started to I guess identify that that's not true and these labels that society have put on you aren't true and how did you kind of break from that and create who you are now
0: where I was then and where I am now very very different scenarios and you know I've developed an enormous body of you know in most cases original work around understanding the psychology of you know development um, which I, I teach you know the fundamentals of my program called Power to Create but for me you know I remember at the age of I think it was like maybe 22 in the back of the store in Carondale of the elite, of the elite fitness store that I was managing. I'd never read a book cover to cover and I'd never enjoyed reading because it was always very difficult which I'm sure you can relate to. And I got given this book called The Magic of Thinking Big by Dr. David Schwartz. And it was one the of first One of my
1: favorite book, books.
0: Fucking great book. And one of the things one the things so good about it, you can give it to a 12-year-old and they can read it. And that, so that was why it worked really well for me.
1: That's probably why I actually liked it. That's probably yeah. one of five like actual books I've physically read cover to cover. Yeah, I just do audio it's books. it's a really but, simple,
0: easy mm-hmm. book, right? And I remember reading it and a you know, chapter would go by and I read the whole thing in three days. But every, as I was reading, I was like, man, not only am I enjoying reading, I actually remember what was on the page I just read. Because I had this real issue with retention and comprehension. I could read stuff, I don't understand it. And then I'm like, now I'm like, oh, I don't remember. And I'd have to read, I don't know if you can relate this, but I'd read the same line like fucking 10 times before I'd move on to the second line. And I'd read every line 10 times. I'd get to the bottom and go, I don't understand and I don't remember anything. And um, you know, I didn't understand any fundamentals of learning, let alone accelerated learning at that point. And so I read this book, and I read it cover to cover, and I came out the other end. And as I came out the other end, I remember thinking, I remember, I, thought, I remember finishing the book, closing the book, looking at the back of the book, and then thinking to myself, and I remember this clearly, because I was sitting on a cardboard box. Maybe I'm not stupid after all. And that just sat and to give you context since then I've probably read about 1200 books you know I've got a library I've got the type of library that if you walk into it you'll just feel smarter just standing in front mm-hmm. of it like it's phenomenal and it's all psychology linguistics particle physics quantum mechanics Newtonian physics you know addiction relationship dynamics business you know marketing sales like it's it's an incredible like honestly and the reason I don't want to get rid of it because people say oh you should just get a Kindle I'm like no I'm going to give this to my son you know, I'm going to give this to my kids this is going to be one of the most important You know, um, family heirlooms that I'm going to pass on because it essentially is you know the genesis of my neural network, Um, and so yeah, over time I just started to embed and. understand and realize that there were certain elements that are required to build a psychology and I started working on those fundamentals. And you know it's it's so interesting because most people when they try and do personal development there's no set of necessarily fundamentals in personal development, you know. Whereas if you go and learn tennis, you know your tennis instructor here or if you go to a tennis instructor in Czechoslovakia, they're going to teach you the same fundamentals. And they might teach you certain aspects, but the fundamentals are going to be the same. This is how you serve, this is how you return, backhand, forehand, volley, you know, whatever else there is, right? But in personal development, there's not a set of fundamentals because there's that many different modalities of psychology then there's about a thousand times more different modalities of personal development. And so what I said about doing was really trying to understand and develop a set of fundamentals. And this is what I want you to understand, Morgan, because a lot of people don't get this. You know, we, we look at personal development and it gets a, it's completely misunderstood. And, and when I talk about personal development, I don't talk about personal development in the context of what most people are used to. I talk about personal development in the context of this statement. Morgan, you're a trillion dollar piece of biotech. And I don't, want you to, I don't want you to sit, anyone who's listening to this, I want you to sit with this because for the, the computing industry for the last 80 years has been trying to replicate one thing and one thing only. There have been trillions of dollars invested in the computer engineering industry with one goal in mind. How do we replicate the human brain? How do we replicate human performance? The human brain processes 16 trillion bits of information every one second. We're only subjectively aware about 2,000 bits of that information. So there is this enormous amount going on in our hard drive okay, that we aren't aware of on our desktop. And... In a box, if I was to be able to recreate you and sell you, you are at a minimum hundreds of billions of dollars of biotech, but as a patent, you're a trillion dollar piece of biotech, hands down. But no one gave you the fucking user's manual, did they? You get a you get a much better walkthrough with your fucking Apple computer, a much better walkthrough with your Apple fucking or your Android phone. But try and get a fucking walkthrough when you come into humanity. It's like mum and dad just go, Well, this is what we did. Hope it works better for you because for us, you know, who knows how it worked? And so for me, what I wanna create, and this is gonna be my legacy, and this is, you know, this is my statement to the, to the universe, my legacy will be the fundamentals of a user's manual. And that's what I've spent the last 26 years developing is an understanding between consciousness, psychology, emotions, stress, physics, from the perspective of Newtonian physics, particle physics, quantum mechanics, okay, but then exploring the connection between us, okay, as a physiology, a neurology, a neurochemistry, and a biology, and how is all of that fucking work together? You know, the greatest metaphor that I could give you is, and you're probably too young to remember this, there's a TV show called The Greatest American Hero and the short version is and it's probably shit if I watched it now but when I was a kid this scene was fucking gold and it's about this guy who's driving through the desert and his car breaks down and because a UFO comes over the top and he gets out he gets beamed up in the UFO and they give him a suitcase and in that suitcase there's a Superman suit and an instruction manual and he gets beamed back down to earth and he's walking back to his car and the fucking instruction manual falls out the back and he gets in his car and he drives home and he gets home and he opens it up and he goes oh Oh, there's no user's manual okay but he puts his super suit on he goes okay well how does it work well superman does this and he goes fucking belting through the ceiling a hole in the ceiling you know he's f- twirling through the air you know like a fucking i don't know what you'd call it smashing into billboards smashing the sides of buildings and cars but this whole series is about this guy who has been given superpowers to do good things but he has to work out how to use the suit And that's the human condition for me, Morgan. The human condition is we're a trillion dollars piece of biotech that was put on here to be able to do extraordinary things. The potential that we have is extraordinary. You've only got to look at the latest developments in humanity and not just the latest. Look at 200,000 or two, eight billion years of evolution. Look at what we've done, right? And we're here to do good things, but no one gave us a user's manual to how to do that. And so as a result, sometimes people do bad things to try and create good outcomes. You know, in the form of shortcuts and deceit and deception, etc. And so, for me, yeah, I've just been incredibly passionate, and I teach this at not only Powder Create, I teach it at Nail It and Scale It, which is my business program. Our K two elites, who the members who work with us over an extended period of time, they get the absolute best of this. But I've been dedicating to taking this information and bringing it and putting it in the hands of the people that need it. You know, and I'll give you the perfect example. I can give two people a piece of information in business, and my jam is fast growth. Like I'm probably one of the number one guys in the world. If you want to grow a business fucking quickly. And scale it and actually get out of it in the process, I'm the guy. And I, can, I will put myself up against any fucking business coach in the world based on the results that I have in K2 Elite. We have one in three to one in four of our clients that or will 2x to 10x in their first 18 months to, t- to two years. Okay. And these, in most cases, we have a very small handful of startups, but these are businesses 500,000 to 300 million. Okay. So I'm not taking a business from $100 to $1,000 and go, oh, I've 10x'd him. You know, I'm talking about taking businesses from a million to 10 million. But what people don't understand, my, my business processes are fucking sound and I've taken from the Best people around the world and, 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 and synthesize it with my own experience and laboratory, and my own business, and put it out there. But what makes me different is the fundamentals. I teach a set of fundamentals. Okay, around psychology and performance, around developing the six inches between the ears that creates a difference whereby I have a greater proportion of my clients that achieve success. Because I'm not just giving them, okay, go, here's a Facebook ad strategy, mate, go and do that, you'll be fine. Because here's what I know, depending on what your story is around technology, depending on what your story is around you know, marketing, sales, lead generation and business, you, chances are you'll find 52 ways to fuck it up that will prevent you from following the system that I give you. True or not true? (laughs) You know, people say to me, people say to me, you know, oh, I want to learn how to make money. I'm like, okay, great. Have you ever read a book to make money before? They go, yeah. Have you ever been to a seminar to make money before? They're like, yeah. I'm like, well, what the fuck went wrong? You know, because something was missing. And I don't say that to make people feel bad. I say that to go that there's a very flawed system of education out there, not just in the schooling yeah. system, but in the business education, in the sales education, the marketing education, and the personal education, but the personal development and professional development education um, um, sectors. There's a flawed system that people don't understand how we as humans operate individually in order to achieve an outcome. And so, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I'm most passionate about.
1: I love it. And that's, I think that's why I'm so passionate about all of this as well, because it's like, I went through all the school, figured out that I was told that I was such a fucker and then went on a crazy ass path and then turned out pretty well. And I'm like, imagine if people started learning this stuff earlier. And that makes so much sense. Like we have an owner's manual for every single thing we freaking do. Except ourselves, and it's quite simple really it's just but just self-development is just such this is what people should be learning so most
0: people put more work into learning how to use their computer or their phone than they do into learning how to put putting the amount of same amount of work and putting the same amount of hours into learning how to work themselves mm. you know people say to me what's the number one key to success and i say well you know what the number one key to success is you got to get to know the client that you're dealing with every single day of the week and that's you you because know, people say "Oh, where do I start I say start with you well, what do you mean get to know who you are well, what does that look like well, why can you tell me because I don't really know you how well do you know you well, what do you mean how well do you know the conversations that go on in your head and how familiar are you with what they say you know How familiar are you and how well do you know based on your own behaviors, how you filter information and what you believe to be true and what you believe to be wrong and whether or not those beliefs are limiting? And how well do you know yourself to know how to motivate yourself in the situations that matter in order for you to get into action when it's required? Most people are going to be oh, do oh, how do you get so motivated? I go, I fucking wake up. I wake <laughs> up motivated. I go to sleep motivated, but what you've got to understand, it hasn't always been this way, but it is now as a result of me getting to know the most important person I need to know in the, in the context of performance and in life, it's me. The better you know the terrain, the easier it is to navigate. The more you know a, your partner, the more you know your children, the easier it is to communicate to them effectively. But how much time do we spend getting to know who we are so that we can communicate with ourselves effectively, so that we can set up ourselves effectively, so that we can perform at the levels that are required? You know, for the most part, goal setting is a completely broken process. And that's one of the biggest things in personal development is goal setting. But most people treat goal setting like they're sitting on Santa's fucking lap and they're going, oh, what do you want for Christmas? Oh, I want a Ferrari and I want a beautiful husband and a gorgeous wife and a six pack of abs and, you know, a boat. And it's like, are you fucking serious? And it's interesting because someone asked me a podcast earlier, like, you know, what is the most important goal in business, the most important thing to start with? And I start with the end. Stephen Covey said it best. Begin with the end in mind. What are you trying to achieve here? And this is what's really interesting. I've done this hundreds of times, mate, where I'll sit down with someone and I'll go, okay, so what is it you want? They go, oh, I just want to make a lot of money. It's like, okay. Mm. How much money? The classic answer, a million or 10 million bucks. Now, first of all, important side note here in behavioral psychology. People who focus on money, as an objective and as a value, as a priority, are eight times more likely to engage in deceit, deception, and fraudulent related behaviors. Seven times more likely to experience stress-related illness. Okay, so money fucks people up. But here's what I say to people, I say, so you want a million dollars? Yes, I want a million dollars. Okay, well I can actually arrange that for you. And they're like, what? Yeah, I can arrange you to have a million dollars, but you can only have it in a certain situation. I'm gonna put you in a jail cell Okay, and you can visit that money. You can't take it out of the jail cell. You can visit it. And while you're there, you can roll around on it. You can rub your body all over it. You can kiss it, but you can't take it out of it. Do you still want the million bucks? And they'll be like, no. They'll be like, why? I'll say, well, I can't do anything with it. That's my point. You don't want the money. You want what the money can give you. But even what you think the money can give you is most in, case, in most cases probably a false target. Because yeah, well, why do you, what do you want? Well, I want a house and a boat and a car and all these things. Why? Well, I feel why why why? Well, at some point we get to the point. Well, if, if you had this, what would it give you that I don't have you now? If it could give you the money, what would you have that you don't have now? Well, I'd buy a car. What else? what else? What else? What else? And if you had all of these things, what would that give you that I don't have now? Well, a sense of security. And what would the sense of security give you that you don't have now? And when you get down the route, I've done this thousands of times. I go, well, I'd be happy. Well, here's a fun fact that we know from positive psychology. People who are already happy are 87% more likely to achieve, achieve personal and professional success. Yet, what comes first, mate? The chicken or the egg? You know, most people are, well, I'll do this just so I can become happy, maybe at retirement age if I'm fucking lucky, versus why don't we find strategies to become happy now and radically and dramatically increase the probability of you achieving success? in any form of your life anyway. And that's the thing, you don't need money to be happy. People say, well, you, don't, you know, money doesn't buy happiness. And they say, well, money doesn't buy happiness, you've never bought a kid a puppy. Okay, I'm not saying it can't buy happiness, it can add, but it doesn't create long-term happiness because it's extrinsic. What creates, happiness is a sense of internal, it's an internal perspective, it's an internal understanding, it's an internal uh, centre within self, a self centeredness And I don't say that from a selfish perspective, I say you're centred within self where you realise that you don't need anything out there in order to be happy in here. And once you're happy in here, well then you fucking won the game, you're 87% more likely to be successful, but now you can play a much better game, you can play a much higher level game. And so goal setting is broken, if anything, what people need to understand, it's not about setting goals it's about understanding what your values are so when I break down a framework when we look at the fundamentals of psychology I'll give you guys some great stuff here okay the first thing I of the first fundamental I start off with is the, is consciousness and I'm not talking about it in fucking yogi terms although it does relate but it, I'm talking about it in processing terms 16 trillion bits of information every one second you're processing right now you just processed 72 trillion pro, you know bits of information but you are only aware based on your sensory perceptions and what your sense have been being perceived to tune into and pay attention to to which is very limited thousand bits of that information so there's enormous amount that's going on and so we've got to understand consciousness as a construct that affects every other aspect of our life because if you don't know it you can't if you can't see it you can't change it okay if you can't see it you can't have it and so you've got to become aware if you don't know something's a problem then you're never going to be able to fix it if you don't know you're missing a skill then how are you going to fucking acquire it if you don't know you're missing experience or what that experience is how are you going to gain it if you don't even know what wisdom is what the fuck are you going to do then And so we've got to understand, we work in a world of scotomas. Our brain is a cognitive miser, where by virtue of the way our brain operates, it's constantly filtering large volumes of information and only serving what we've programmed to deem important. And so when you move from the consciousness fundamental to the fundamental... Of psychology there's four layers to a psychology okay and I like to break this down and make it super simple so we've all got a common language and we don't have to look at fucking you know neurolinguistics. we don't have to look at gestalt we don't have to look at family therapy we don't have to look at any other form of psychology okay only just understanding that there are four elements the build upon a psychology the first element is the coding system of the brain how do you program a brain now you're a trillion dollar piece of biotech you are a fully programmable piece of soft hardware and if you don't believe me, go and fucking look at the the files from MK Ultra, CIA. Go and look at you know all of the uh, the, the files from the CIA around you know um, remote view or well, not just remote viewing. That's another interesting little fucking uh, rabbit hole. But anything to do with how they have been able to program people to be able, to, in some cases, conduct assassinations that they are completely oblivious to the fact that they've even done. You know we are a programmable piece of biotech. We're a soft hard piece of programmable technology. Okay, so the first fundamental is we have a coding system. And that coding system is through stories. That's how we develop and grow and share knowledge. We share knowledge by sharing stories. We read books, and that textbook could have a story, but that story could be, you know, academia. But it's essentially it's information that we read, and we create a construct in our head of what it means, in the form of a story. So we read stories, we hear stories, we see stories, and then those stories are validated by the evidence that are around us. And in most cases, those stories get evidenced by the, the evi- evidence by the people who are telling us them because their lives are set up to produce narratives that suggest those stories are true in most cases. So stories are the fundamental. And if you're not conscious of the stories that you're telling yourself every single day, how the fuck are you gonna understand the basis of your own psychology? How are you gonna understand the basis of your own behavior? Because your coding system, your stories, that determines, once we get down to the bottom, every single behavior that you engage in. You know, and you know, we've gotta understand every single thing you say to yourself is some form of a suggestion. And I do this example in Powder Create, I do this example uh, in K2 Elite, I do this example in, um, in Nail and Scarlet, where I suggest 34 times in about a six minute window that every single person in this room is gonna engage in a very specific behavior at a very specific time, and I click. So I suggest a behavior, that they'll all engage in 34 times, and I click, and I do it 34 times. The next morning, between 60 and 75% of that room engage in that behavior within a five minute window of that time frame. And then I say this, or I ask this, I was able to affect 60 to 70% of the room's behavior by suggesting something to you 34 times. How many times have you said to yourself, oh fuck, I'm so stupid or whatever the story is that someone told you that you picked up or you told yourself but you just ran with it and you keep telling yourself over and over and over. Those suggestions are powerful from a programmatic perspective, okay? Because that forms, over time, those those stories, That's what's being fed into your desktop. But over time, you start to realize, I can't sit there and remember, Morgan, every single fucking story I've ever been told about money. Every single story I've been told about relationships, about sales, about marketing, about development or success. And so what our brain does is it creates shortcuts, just like a computer does. The brain is a cognitive mas- miser. It's number one goal is to conserve energy because if the brain uses too much energy, it becomes overwhelmed. And when it becomes overwhelmed, it shuts down. Okay, and that's a stress response. And that's when we do stupid things and we potentially threaten our evolution and by walking in front of buses or into caves full of saber-toothed tigers. So we've got to understand the brain goes, okay, I've got all these stories. How do I access them quickly without having to think about these stories in full? They create shortcuts. So it creates a little desktop icon in your brain and those little desktop icons in your brain are called beliefs. And the beliefs are essentially the icons that we use to filter information. It's the things that we do to use to determine what we see in our environment. You know, another great example, A few years ago, I was in a shop, walking around the shop, and all I could hear was the lady fucking going, there's no customers, there's no customers. I can't believe the the, the council's doing all these road works. There's no parking and there's no customers. There's no customers, there's no customers. 15 minutes later, I walk up. Um, my ex-wife puts something on the on the counter and she goes, oh, I didn't see you there. And in my head, I'm like, I'm not surprised because you've just been suggesting to yourself consistently that there are no customers. And how many people do you know that go, oh, look, I'd love to make more money, but there's just not a lot of money around right now. Mm. There's not a lot of opportunity around. There's no boys around. There's no girls around. By virtue of that suggestion, you create a filter that your brain goes, okay, if you say that's true, then I've got to believe you and I'm going to give you the evidence to suggest that you're true, that that is true. And so that determines how we filter. Have you ever walked to the cupboard, you know, looking for something and you've opened the cupboard and you couldn't find what you're looking for but it was actually right in front of you
1: yeah all that's the time that's
0: the power of a single suggestion you know you open the counter you open the cupboard you go oh I can't the salt's not there honey where's the salt oh it's in the cupboard no it's not I'm looking in the cupboard oh I put it back there last night I'm looking in the cupboard. I'm not an idiot. It's not there. They come walking down the stairs and like, what's this, Bozo? So like, oh, I swear to God, it wasn't that's, there. That's a
1: woman's superpower, though. Like, they can see things that us men can't, though. And oh, let's just... be honest.
0: How many times have you seen a woman walking around going, has anyone seen my car keys? My car's on my car keys. <laughs> and they're or, holding you them know, in their hands. Know, they're holding their hands while there's sunglasses on their head. We all yeah. do it, but unfortunately, yeah. men get a bad rap, and it's called a man look. But that's actually a <laughs> psychological condition called scotoma. And we create scotomas as a way of reducing the consumption of energy in our brain. And so what we've got to understand is, you know, whether it's uh, the salt or customers, you've got to become highly attuned to what are the stories that I've been telling myself that actually determine and predict the information that I do and don't see? Because after all those beliefs, they, just, they grow roots and those roots go very deep and it goes deep into the center of our motivational construct, okay? And our motivational construct is governed by a value system, okay? And value is a really interesting word. Most people don't understand the word value. What's value? It means that it, it has a system of value, either a positive, or a negative system of value. And so we create values that determine motives. So stories are a code, beliefs create filters, and our values determine our motives. And a motive is a reason to do, okay? It's a descriptive word. A motivation is a doing word, it's an action word. Okay, and our motive determines our ability to take action in a particular area. And if you don't know what your motives are, then how the fuck do you point yourself in the right direction? How do you fire yourself up if you don't know your reason to do? And most people, everybody has values, but they're rooted in their behaviors. Okay, and you say to someone, what do you value? And they'll tell you all the things that they think you are socially acceptable that they should say. And then when you look at their behaviors... You know, and you go, oh, I don't know about that. How many times have you had someone say to you, oh, I'm just a really honest person. I'm just an honest person, just an honest person. And then you look at their behaviors and go, oh, I don't know about that. You know, I don't look at what people say. I look at what people do. I don't look at what I say necessarily. I look at what I do if I'm trying to determine what my motive system is, if I'm trying to understand, how do I find the buttons to press to do the things that I need to do when I want to do them? Yeah. How do I find... And to me, that's where goal setting is broken. It's not about goal setting. It's about understanding what motivates you, what your genuine human motives are, individual, and then aligning goals within that bandwidth that you naturally want to pursue because it's of a genuine interest, not uh, nice to have. And when you take those three things and you add them together, you have an identity and that's who you are. You know? But it all starts with a story. You know, What were the stories that you were told as a kid about money? Money is the root of all... Money doesn't grow on. You know, how many times did you hear parents fight over money when you are a kid? How many times did you hear kids at school, you know, bagging on and ragging on other kids because their, their family had money? And then you get to an age where you can read, you see the ATO. You know, uh, ATO targets Australia's both wealthy. And you hear about all these wealthy people that are being taken down. We watch cartoons. Who's the wealthy guy in the cartoons? Is it the good guy, Morgan? Mm. It's no. not. No. And so was- we see all these stories that money is bad. Okay, because what do capitalists need? They need fucking labourers. Okay, and so this system, you know, has been designed to create laborers. It's not been designed to create entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs are a rebellion, okay? Entrepreneurs are a rebellious bunch that are essentially bucking against the system. People like you and me that you know didn't gel with the education system. So great, we didn't become great laborers, but we became very creative to think about you know, other ways to do things. And so for me, you know, this is an important part of the understanding. If you we can't start becoming aware, you know, two out of three marriages in this country end in divorce. Eighty percent of those divorces are rooted in financial strain. You know, There's so much evidence to suggest that money is bad, and so people go, I don't understand. Every time I get close to making money, I do something silly to fuck it up. Because maybe on some level, you've been exposed to stories that have created beliefs that if you make a lot of money, then it's gonna create social conflict. It's gonna create relationship and intimacy conflict. And you might actually have a genuine value around family to move towards, but if that is in conflict with money, because money is actually moving away because your experience tells you unconsciously that money creates conflict, you ain't going to pursue money. You'll self-sabotage yourself till the cows come home. Hmm. And you go, I don't understand why I keep doing this. Don't care why I don't keep doing this. I don't understand. I know what to do. I'm just not doing it. How many times have you heard someone fucking say that? I know what to do, but I'm just not doing it.
1: Yeah, it's so fascinating because uh, you know, our whole values is we're, we're doing everything to gain pleasure or avoid pain. And so often, our, our one thing we say we want it's actually underlying reasons. Like, well, if I actually have that based on what I believe, that to be true. So if I become successful, but if I believe becoming successful is the bad thing. Then that means that I'm this, but I'm doing anything to avoid feeling the pain. So I'm just going to sit here all the fucking time.
0: That's and- why Steve Jobs said it best. Don't ask your customers what they want. Cause they don't fucking know, you know? And it's true because most people aren't aware of what their genuine motives are. But when you know what people's behaviors are, don't ask what people want, look at how they behave and that'll tell you everything you need to know.
1: Yeah. Kern, this has been freaking unreal, man. Um, I think we need like a follow-up interview at this one. We we're like a- we're
0: going to have to do a follow-up. <laughs> I really enjoy talking to you more. We
1: need a part two. Absolutely. Um, I know you're crazy strapped for time, but I've, I've, I really want to, let's try and punch this kind of semi-final question out as, as fast as you can. Just- I was, you know, when I was, uh, you know, researching and everything, and you kind of went through a point where you're making massive success. And then you kind of went on this, a bit of a spiritual journey because you didn't find, you didn't know how to find yourself. You're trying to finding yourself. Yes. And we're just talking a little bit about, you know, what happiness is for the people that are listening that are chasing, cause they haven't made a million dollars yet or six figures or whatever. How can they kind of venture into this spiritual kind of world and, and just, Look, Enjoy the journey instead of trying to pursue happiness. The best place to
0: start is mind, becoming more mindful. And that's why I start everything with a conversation around consciousness. And to me, consciousness isn't necessarily a spiritual construct, although you know much of its meaning can be rooted in that. For me, consciousness is, is rooted in becoming aware of the things that you're not. 16 trillion bits of information every one second. You're only aware of 2,000. Wake the fuck up, Neo. <laughs> you know. And so for me, how do we wake up? Well, we start paying attention. Start paying attention You know, to the matrix, Neo. Let's get all fucking that way inclines go down the rabbit hole but you know I say start with you don't start out there start with you well how do I get to know me sit in silence and just see what comes up you know people say well I, uh, I say meditation is a perfect way to say okay and well, I can't meditate well then you need to meditate more than anyone <laughs> you know people say well I, I can only use a guided, app, a guided app that's fine if you need to use a guided app that's fine but please understand no one ever won a fucking marathon training on a treadmill and then going and running a marathon, okay? Yes, it can get you fit to a degree, but it's not going to get you where you need to go if you want to be competitive you know, as a distance runner. You've got to actually have the real world experience. And guided apps are a great way to get an introduction, but you've got to understand. People go, I can't meditate. I said, why? Because my mind is so busy. And I say, when you try to meditate, are you aware that your mind is busy? And I say, yeah. I said, that's the fucking point.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Catch it and then come back. And you know meditation. This can be a bigger conversation for next time. It's based on sensation, or there's a range of ways that you can do it. But whatever your single point of focus is in your meditation, the moment you become distracted, your job is to go ah. Oh. I'm distracted. Great. Come back and treat, treat your distraction like you would a small child. If you catch yourself distracted, don't, don't self abuse. Don't beat yourself up. Cause if your kid's trying to learn how to walk and it falls over you you, Oh, you fucking idiot. You know what? Don't even fucking bother. Just crawl for the rest of your life. Cause you're clearly a fuck up and you're never going to walk. You would never say that to a child, but why do we speak like that to ourselves? Why is that okay? So rather than beating ourselves, say it's okay mate, just come back here single point of focus. For the first 3 weeks you might only be able to, you know, maintain that focus for 3 seconds before you're distracted and then you're distracted for 30 seconds or 3 minutes and you go oh shit I went on this big tangent come back. But after six weeks, you'll be able to focus on a single point for six seconds. And you'll only get distracted for maybe a minute and a half. And then in three months, you'll be able to focus on it for eight or nine or 12 seconds. You only get distracted for 30 seconds. And then both of those, you know, the distraction becomes shorter and the focus becomes longer. And before you know it, and here's the thing, four days of meditation has a significant increase on performance. There is, you know, Vedic meditation, transcendental meditation is the most thoroughly researched form of meditation on the planet. And there is that much evidence to suggest it is the bee's knees when it comes to anti-aging, you know, brain health, physical health, you know, and ability to have a happier and healthier life. But again, why are so many people just like, oh, I can't do that. Don't want to fuck with my jam, whatever their story is.
1: Yeah, start with you i love it man dude this has been freaking epic we're definitely gonna do something up um again <laughs> a part two for this um where, where can everybody find you on social media your podcast and everything yeah, like that great so we've got a
0: podcast it's all across all the channels um unstoppable on facebook Instagram, um linkedin tiktok fuck I think pretty much every platform we're about to launch on something on Clubhouse YouTube uh, we also have programs we've got a three day business program which is absolutely, absolutely epic it is not a retreat I should put that make that really clear it's a hard yakking business boot camp where you're executing every step of the way it's called Nail and Scale it. we've got Powder Create which is a three day performance program it's probably the best users manually ever going to find in this galaxy anyway uh, and we have K2 Elite which is a long term program where we work with clients for between one to five or more years to, to scale them incredibly rapidly and KerwinRay.com mate but thank you you so much mate i really appreciate
1: it i love talking to you mate you've got a great vibe thank you so much i love you all right to to wrap this up cohen i got one final little thing one final last question are you ready go if you were to go back to your 18 year old self and give him 30 seconds of advice what would it be it wouldn't be 30
0: seconds it would be three it's going to be okay mate keep going
1: thank you so much for listening Guys, if you know anyone else who is as passionate for life as they are successful, then please send them my way. I'd absolutely love to have them on the show. As Zig Ziglar says, if you help enough people get what they want in life, you'll have everything you want. So that's why each month I'm choosing one lucky person who has left the review to have a free private 30-minute coaching call with me. So guys, if you got some value or inspiration from this, it goes such a long way. If you can just take 10 seconds and leave a five-star review and you'll go in the draw, to win the call. And if you could share this with a friend, I would be forever grateful. Until next time, guys, I've got your back. Go out and dream out loud.